Amen. You're listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode 12, brought to you by Rory's Rooster Shack. For all your rooster accessories, cockadoodle, come on over. Welcome to the Give Me Five podcast. I'm Rob, and I'm here with Jimmy. Hey, man. And Greg. Hey, what's up? Here on the Give Me Five podcast, the three of us discuss five things that entertained us for the week. This week, we're going to discuss Stranger Things 2, Thor Ragnarok, Lady Mechanica, The Walking Dead, and 1922. Yes, the year 1922. It was a good year. It was, yeah. This is turning into a history podcast. We're just going to talk about, uh, was that the uh, Depression, I believe, was around then? I think it was after that. Anyway, uh, this is a review show, not a history show. And there will probably be spoilers, So, um, and we're going to try to avoid some major twists, especially since we're going to be talking about some uh, pretty big properties this time. So, for example, if you did not know that Thor's hammer can only be lifted by people deemed worthy, or... That Jimmy has a Limbisca tattoo right on his. Hey, uh, oh, sorry. Whoa. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you let him get a lot further with that one than I thought you would, Jimmy. <laughs> Just moving. Anyway, on. Um, yeah. So, uh, if you're offended by Limbisca tattoos, um, then you can uh, go ahead, Jimmy. If you're offended by Limbisca <laughs> tattoos, or if you have no idea what Greg is talking about. Uh, you can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. That is F-I-V-E in the name, as always. You can contact us also on Twitter and Instagram under the same handle at Give Me Five Pod. If you'd like to email us, you can hit us up at Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com. And if you could, if you would be so kind to help us out, the best way that you can is to give us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are using. Thank you in advance. F-I-V-E. Yes. Got it. I'll be sending a strongly worded letter later. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and just for the history update, the Great Depression was in the 1930s mostly. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so uh, anything new, guys? I mean, we've been off for a week, so... Anything uh, exciting? <laughs> well, I actually just just today I went to uh, Universal Studios. Um, uh, Jen and I went and did a a wand tour. Basically, we went in and did all the windows and stuff like that. But they've released some new wands, Ooh. and and they actually just the, just on Sunday got probably my favorite wand in in interactive. They've got the uh, Death Eater Swirl wand now in interactive. Which I will probably be getting at some point. The Death Eater Swirl? Like the animal? Yes. Yeah. Mm. No. Swirl. S-W-I-R-L. Jimmy, are you insinuating that all mammals can't become wizards? Hey, man. Because there, there could be a Death Eater Squirrel. <laughs> Don't be such a speciesist. We're going to go get those wands, okay? <laughs> <laughs> K- 
Canadian, New Zealand squirrels. Wanna come? Uh, wanna come? <laughs> you guys will explain. We guys will understand that eventually. Um, so, what about you, Greg? What's new? And well, just a few things. You know, uh, some entertainment news. We did talk about the Orville a couple weeks ago, and yes, it was renewed for season two, which is actually kind of a a weird renewal. It's doing well, this- uh, well enough to be the um, the second highest rated of the new TV shows, hmm. but. Wow, really? With with traditional numbers that are actually pretty low, but um, the weird thing is, is that it only has a thirteen episode series run for season one, and usually they do a season one like nine episode renewal to get it to the twenty two twenty three episode range. But this time, instead of doing that, they actually just renewed it for season two for a, I believe a twenty four episode run. So it's going to have a very weird, like, 13-episode first season and then a 20-something episode second season. Um, good? I, I was going to say, I have to admit that I'm I'm excited because I do enjoy the show, but I am a little surprised because I didn't think it would catch on or be all that popular. Um, it's do, it's doing well. I mean, it's for it has a lot of watchability, and there's people that, that are streaming it legally, and... <laughs> <laughs> like you know they're watching it from the website rather than uh-huh. from just like downloading it right so and i think it has some repeat viewers it has a lot of people talking about it and you know plus on top of that i mean seth mcfarland has done good things for fox and it's the first time fox actually it's on thursdays i believe right yes yes it's on thursday and it's nights. the first time fox has had a foothold on thursday in years so that's the other thing it's like the first time fox has any ratings on a thursday oh, the wow. simpsons okay. on thursdays uh, it's been on Sundays for as long as mm-hmm. I can remember. Maybe married with children. So I don't know. That's um, you're you've uh, you brought something up today while we were at work that really just kind of blew my mind. Um, so why don't you tell us what that is? That uh, was just the the yeah. music one. Yeah, I was I was listening to some uh, like bootleg. Speaking of uh, online stuff, but bootleg clips of Nirvana live, and at one point they trolled a group of people. With, well, play, they started playing Smells Like Teen Spirit and seamlessly transitioned into More Than a Feeling by Boston. And it occurred to me that they didn't seamlessly transition into More Than a Feeling. It's exactly the same song. Yep. Wow. So it's, it's, it's almost exactly the same chord progression. And it's one of those weird things where they wrote, they hated pop rock songs that like didn't have any edge or punk- punkiness. So they actually wrote Smells Like Teen Spirit as a joke, mimicking More Than a Feeling. And then it took off and they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, it was another one of the things that blew my mind. And there's, and that actually goes with two other big things um, that blew my mind. Um, one of which uh, is that Disney was actually in talks to acquire 21st Century Fox. Hmm. Wow. And since we heard about it, I'm guessing it's not going to happen or those talks have stalled. But that would bring the X-Men and Deadpool and um, oh. and the Fantastic Four into the actual Marvel Universe. Two of those I'm happy about. One of those I don't know that... I'm not sure that Disney could do Deadpool justice just because of their image. Um, That's true. That's true. Um, but X-Men and Fantastic Four would be great for Disney to acquire. But I don't know that I, don't know that I would like Disney taking over Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a... I'm a- I've always thought about making a fan, like the Fantastic Four movie needs to be set in the '60s because that's just what those characters were created during, and their I don't know, their whole attitude is very '60s. But then again, we've already had a great Fantastic Four movie kind of set in the '60s, and that's basically The Incredibles. So, <laughs> okay, and it's basically the same thing. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it would basically be a live action Incredibles if they really did it the way it should be done. But that was another thing. And the other one, um, I've, I've talked a lot. So, uh, Jimmy, you can talk about the convention we went to briefly. Greg and myself got to go to Spooky Empire um, on, what was it, the 27th or 28th? Uh, last Friday or two yeah, Fridays ago. Yeah. Two Fridays ago, we got to go. And this was my first time at the Spooky Empire convention. If you're not familiar with it, it's a big convention that happens, uh, what, twice a year here in Orlando? Yeah, in Orlando. And, you know, it's a it's it's your your basic Megacon kind of deal, but it's the, the darker side, you know, horror-themed. There are a lot of horror vendors. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, people selling, you know, really hard to find movies. And there are also some really um, big name guests that are there. They had pretty much the whole um, buddy cast from the movie it. And what I, that was really weird to see because they still had their haircuts. Like usually when you see the celebrities, it's many years removed. Either it's like an older version of Mm -hmm. someone or they filmed other things, but a lot of the kids still had their haircuts like growing in from filming it. Yeah. Which I thought was crazy. And the, the really cool thing about that area, the celebrity area was how open it was and how open they were to, Hey, come on up and say hi. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we got to meet Shannon Elizabeth. Oh, I'm so jealous. Uh, Gre- American Greg Pop. got to meet one of his guitar idols. I did. I got to meet Rachel Bolin of Skid Row, whose picture was on my wall growing up in high school. It was on my door actually. And he was the guy, if you remember the 80s, he was the one guy with the nose ring and chain that went down from like his nose to his belly button or something. And I do remember. He was really cool. He chatted with me. I was telling him that, you know, when they recorded their album Down South, I totally wanted to go, but I was like 15. Um, and he was like, oh, it was, you know, it was a cool time. And he was just, you know, talked to me for a little bit of time. Didn't seem put off by, you know, random dude reliving my childhood. <laughs> so we... It was very yeah, cool. we also met a couple of the vendors. Um, I, I believe, I, I think we have a mascot now. We yeah. do. Rob hasn't met the mascot Rob hasn't yet. Met the mascot, but I did purchase. Which is sad because Rob used to be the mascot. <laughs> yes, I purchased a uh, one of a kind, unique hand puppet from Deviant Dolls. <laughs> of course, you did. <laughs> but it's a monkey, and he's. <laughs> covered in blood and he's got fangs uh greg named him chester the blood monkey it is chester the blood monkey nice we also we we walked into that booth because they actually had a i believe it was a set of four bears that were a teddy bear uh human centipede so a teddy bear centipede from the movie human centipede Nice. and um i believe their names were uh constance uh pat and sean because it was constipation was their their name altogether, and she was selling yeah, a uh, a very uh, vivid human centipede of Teddy Bear. Yeah, um, but we met her. You know, she was great. We uh, Greg also kind of had his coffee episode, uh, <laughs> where um, we came apro- across a vendor coffee shop of horrors, um, based here out of uh, Claremont, I believe, or very close to it. But all of their coffees are horror-themed. They have very, very cool art. You can look them up. And also, we found some very, very cool soap products. Also, by the way, I am currently drinking some Graveyard Dirt Espresso from them, and it's delicious. 
But yeah, check out um check out Twisted Sister Soapery on Facebook. Some of the most unique soap products I've ever seen. Uh just the coolest shapes. I mean some real artistry going on there. It's very cool. Nice. Uh, just one last little bit of news, and this is actually, it's as big news in the comic book world, so I, I couldn't let it kind of pass by. Uh, other than the stuff I wrote on the notes, do you guys know the name Brian Michael Bendis? Have you heard that name, either of you? No, sorry. No? Okay. So Brian Michael Bendis pretty much wrote the Marvel Universe as we know it today. Uh, Marvel was pretty was bankrupt. It wasn't pretty much bankrupt. It was uh, 2000, 2001 era, which is why some of the problems happened where they sold off X-Men rights to Fox and stuff like that. And they did a thing to kind of modernize called the Ultimate Universe, and Brian Michael Bendis created Ultimate Spider-Man and wrote it for, it had to be over 170 episodes or issues. He also re, re-envisioned the, um, the Avengers, and he created a new Spider-Man named Miles Morales. And, I mean, in fact, if you look at some of his stories, um, you know, he created Ultimate Nick Fury based on Samuel L. Jackson, which is how... Sam, uh, Nick Fury changed colors from like a white guy in the fifties to Samuel Jackson that we see on the movie screen. He created, uh, he did the story secret war. Um, uh, what else? You know, house of M secret invasion siege, all of uh, age of Ultron, which became a movie as well. Uh, created the character, Jessica Jones, which became a Netflix show. And the reason why I'm talking about this, I mean, he was pretty much in charge of almost all of Marvel creative for 10 years, 15 years. And he just signed an exclusive deal to jump over to DC Comics. Uh, wow. That means he's no longer going to be writing for Marvel. Um, if you look at any Marvel movie, at the end of it, he's got a credit. Hmm. So he is jumping over to DC Comics. So, one, I think you're going to see a lot more grounded DC Comics world because he definitely has a very grounded kind of attitude about writing. But it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with those characters and very interesting to see what happens with Marvel considering they're one of their major parts of their brain trust is leaving. Hmm. Well, now, now all DC really needs to do is get somebody who can write a decent script. Well, yeah, but I mean, Joss Whedon just took over the, the JLA movie too. So we'll see what happens there. Joss Whedon took over JLA about seven months ago. Oh my gosh. Where the hell have I been? For those who don't know, JLA is justice league of America. Yes. But Joss Whedon is very good at doing like the comic book movies. Um, he pays very close attention. He knows his history. He knows his backstories and everything yeah. like that. And he puts together a good story. Um, okay. That makes me a little bit more excited. Did, did he work on this first one on the first one that th- that's coming out? Uh, he, the, the guy that was directing it had to step down because his daughter had committed suicide, oh, which is depressing. That's, that's unfortunate. It is very unfortunate. Um, he stepped down without telling anybody that, and then eventually he told someone about him, you know, told people about a month later. But he's been working on reshoots and stuff like that. So okay, which yeah, we'll eventually be able to talk about what we can determine is from him and what we can determine is from Snyder. Gotcha. Uh, Jimmy, I want to hear how you almost died. <laughs> <laughs> well, to no fault of their own, I won two free float therapy sessions from East Coast Floats uh, here in Baldwin Park, um, <clears throat> which is right down the street from us. And it is sens- sensory deprivation float therapy. So you go in the little tank and it's, you know, you float basically for an hour. So I did the first one and I felt the results immediately. I felt very relaxed, very calm afterwards. Uh, after, you know, 
it it took a little bit of time to get used to that. Uh, but the second time that I went, I was a little uh, cocky about it and figured, okay, I know what's up this time. I'm going to go have a great experience. I'm going to lay down in this this float tank and, and just slip immediately into this super peaceful state of relaxation. Um, well, I decided that I wanted to turn around inside of the tank, and you really you can't without kind of sitting up or bending your knees. So I sat up, which um, was a big no-no, and I got a very large amount of salt water in my eyes and on my face. So around the, around the outsides of my lips and, and my eyes were burning. Um, they have a little bottle in there that if, of fresh water that you're supposed to just spray in your face. Well, I couldn't find it. <laughs> I knew where it was, and I kind of freaked out for a moment because I'm reaching out for it, expecting to feel this almost like a little step, and I couldn't. So I had a little panic moment. Um, but the, the part that where I, I felt like I was uh, going to be the next, I guess, subject of a Saw movie or a, a segment in Saw. I turned around back the other way, and their music system was not working. So what's supposed to happen is this calm, relaxing music supposed to come on, and it's supposed to kind of wake you out of your relaxed state. It wasn't working, so a light came on immediately um, at the end of my one-hour session, and you kind of get lost in time in there. You really... Don't know. Um, so this light comes on and I'm like, huh? And then a jet came on, you know, immediately followed that right behind me. So I was like, oh, God, this is how it ends. This is. <laughs> they're going to fill this tank with me still in it. Yeah. I was like, there, there's nobody here. I'm I'm disoriented. But um, I, it is a really cool experience. Um, and I'd, I'd like to go back. But it there was a, a moment there where salt water flashed over my eyes and and I thought I was um I was a, on, on a really 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 mean-spirited prank show. I will let you know that if you ever do pass away inside of a salt tank that Rob and I will be left to do a in memoriam episode where we just make up crap about you for an hour. So just be aware. Uh, you can do that next week if you want. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> a very special episode celebrating the life of James Thank nice. you. Okay. Well, that's just news, man. It's been a busy week. Busy two weeks, yeah. technically. Yeah. Let's do this thing. Let's do it. Okay, guys. So for our first topic, you might be wondering, possibly, what's up with the weird, like, semi-New Zealand accents that have been floating out of Rob and Jimmy's mouth. And that is directly related, related to the hilarious movie Thor Ragnarok. Hey, man. <laughs> there it is. Directed by Taika Waititi, which is not only just a really fun name to say, but a definitely a new vision for some Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. Uh, director out of New Zealand and starring, of course, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Kate Blanchett as as uh, Hera. Hela. Hela, sorry. Different, different god. Hela, the villain. Uh, Carl Urban is in there as Scourge and, of course, a whole bunch of other... Uh, people in cameos and whatnot, and uh, Mark Ruffalo, Tom Hiddleston, yeah, and Tom. the director himself, yeah, as Court, yeah. Piss off, Ghost. <laughs> um, I I enjoyed the movie. I was I was actually I was entertained, and I really I thought it was a very colorful addition to the Marvel universe, and yet another change in direction without being wildly off course. 
it was very colorful indeed. Um, I almost, I, I felt strong ties to Guardians of the Galaxy in terms mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the the color scheme and the artwork was actually inspired by one of the director's favorite artists. And while you guys oh, are talking, I will find that. Okay. Um, well, for the for the comic nerd side of things, it it almost combines a bunch of different stories, like most of the Marvel movies, but. You know, definitely there are some uh, references to Walt Simonson's run on Thor in the 80s and I believe early 90s. It's got a lot of influence from the story Planet Hulk, which which was an actually pretty cool story uh, that ran about 2006, 2007 in the Hulk comics about the Hulk being kind of jettisoned off Earth and lands on a planet and kind of becomes a big gladiator type. Uh, Had a lot of references from that, had some references to a character named Valkyrie who had some some pretty decent storylines in the past. And I really thought going into it that it was going to be overwhelming with all of these stories because I, I could tell the references, and I was like, are they really mashing all this stuff together? Were and I, thought it, and you're and I thought it flowed together to, really well. You're, you're referring to Planet Hulk. Yes. Yeah. So the movie, the feel of the movie was uh, very much inspired by American comic book artist Jack Kirby. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. one of the all-time classic comic book artists. Yeah. And and you can see his work everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a a lot of people we're talking about that had a lot of 80s reference, um, but there was also a lot of Kirby reference from the, the 50s and 60s yeah. and 70s, like mm-hmm. all the designs on the wall, some of the, some of the character designs. There was those um, on the trash planet. There was those characters that had like the, the little like almost like Death Eater masks. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> the like the little circle eye holes, those were very uh, crazy Kirby, and especially uh, Hella. Her helmet was yeah, yeah giant and unwieldy and screams Kirby. Which means if that works so well in that movie, I can only imagine what they do with Galactus rather than making him a big cloud like they did in Fantastic Four and not and actually giving him the big purple stupid helmet. Yes. <laughs> or we've oh. even seen the character design with with Thanos. Yeah. That's true. So, which I'm very much looking forward to. I can't wait for Avengers: Infinity War. That's that's probably one of my favorite. Um, that's probably my second favorite comic book storyline of all time. Your or first one being the Dark Phoenix saga. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He likes any story involving a redhead becoming evil. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some truth to that, but um, as as far as Thor Ragnarok goes, I will say that I think I I did enjoy this one much more than than Dark World which was the second Thor movie. Um, I thought that this one had a lot more stronger tones of comedy involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it had a much more, I, w- I want to say like Avengers feel to it. I know you said that it kind of had the, the Deadpool feel, but without the crassness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I have to say that I think it was kind of more along the lines of Avengers. And, and that's probably slightly because of, of Hulk being in the movie. And I think Hulk has kind of become their, their um, comic relief, if you will. Um, but it wasn't just Hulk in this movie that was doing the comic relief. And th- they had a couple of scenes that set it up. Thor actually had a couple of parts that, that made you like literally laugh out loud. Um, mm-hmm. Hulk had some great parts and some great lines as well, but all in all, I, I, I really like the, the formula that they have set up where they do the action with a smattering of comedy. You know, it's not like, it's not like the entire thing is a, is a comedy, um, it's mainly an action that's got a little, that's got a few comedy elements in it. 
And that I, I really like the way that they've been setting it up because they've been doing it with the Avengers as well. And I think mm-hmm. they've just been doing a fantastic job with all of these movies. Yeah. Agreed. Um, in, in terms of the comedy, the reactions of people in the crowd were on par with what I saw when I saw Deadpool in the theater. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as butt gusting, butt gusting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even ask me to cut. Don't even ask me to cut that out. Oh, I can take care of that for you. Nope. I meant. <laughs> I meant gut busting laughter. Uh, I, I mean, people. Gut gusting. I know you can, um, but like people were grabbing their stomachs. I mean, laughing hard. There was a gag in there that I. I laughed for a, a solid minute. I had tears in my eyes. Um, it's no great spoiler, but when <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's character was just so funny, um, there's a part where they're in a ship, uh, one of his ships, and they press a button, and oh. uh, <laughs> music plays, and it, you know it's my birthday and you know, Jeff Goldblum's playing the keyboard and it, I mean, it was, it, the movie was hilarious, but it, it wasn't just a comedy, you know, there was a, there was another bit, which I won't get into that. I actually spit on the guy in front of me cause it caught me off guard and I went like that. I laughed like a quick laugh and I totally, I know I hit the guy in front of me, the back of his head and <laughs> I felt, I felt bad about it. And, and he was a bald gentleman too. So I know he felt it. Mm. And and right. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum had a couple of really really good lines in the movie, um, like the, the when he was when you were first introduced to to Scrapper One Forty Two, and he says you always bring me the best stuff, you know, and and he's like, what did what did I say, you know, I always say that she's that she's you know the starts the, with a B, trash, what <laughs> no that that. That doesn't even start with, were you just waiting to call her trash? <laughs> yeah. And so, Greg, I didn't know this. What does um, Scrapper 142 refer to? Uh, yeah, so, you know, again, me being the, the resident comic nerd here, uh, Scrapper 142 uh, is actually another character, which is a little bit of a spoiler, so I'll lay off of it. But um, the character, the reference 142 actually references when that character first arrived. Okay, it's well, it's Valkyrie. It's not that big of a spoiler. So it's a character named Valkyrie who actually arrived in an Incredible Hulk comic number 142. So they referenced the number just to to kind of call back to when that character came around. Nice. And, I, and just speaking of that character, I loved her. Mm-hmm. Oh, she was great. Yeah. And I was unaware of who that actress was um, and went back and looked at some of her stuff. And I'm going to have to start watching her, her films because she was and, really good. And who is that? I don't remember her name, which is uh, Tessa something. Let's and, hope that IMDb is actually working, unlike earlier today. And and speaking of speaking of uh, other actors, um, we had a couple of really nice cameos in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. Keep an eye out for a reunion of uh, Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. Yep. Um, he has he has a little cameo in the movie, and it was pretty good. Um, there's a couple of other actors in there as well. Um, you'll find Matt Damon has a has a uh, small little role. Um, just. It, just excellent, excellent movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, the actress's name is uh, Tessa Thompson, and you might know her from Westworld. 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 That's where I know her from. Yeah, she's in Westworld. Uh, she's in Thor Ragnarok, of course, and um, 
she was in Creed and uh, Dear White People on Netflix, I believe. Okay. Also in the movie, I've got to say it, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, but it it bears repeating if we have Carl Urban played a character by the name of Scourge. And mm-hmm. Carl Urban, you might know from the Star Trek movies. Um, but or Dread. The painfully dread. underrated. Painful. The painfully underrated Dread. Painfully yes. underrated Dread, which is one of my favorite action films. I mean, if you haven't seen Dread, not the one with Sylvester Stallone, but the one with Carl Urban, you need to check it out. And Cersei Lannister. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is a good movie. I enjoyed it. Anyway, continue. So, well, we we already started talking about some of these Easter eggs. Um, I, I feel that we can talk about those without kind of spoiling anything for anybody. But there was there was one where I felt like a complete nerd because I think I was the only person in the theater who picked up on it. I was I was like, you got to be kidding! I'm the only one sitting in the theater laughing, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me! Nobody nobody gets this. The, I, mean, um, I think Jimmy. No, Jimmy got it. You got it. You you did get it, Jimmy. What? Yeah, he did. The the scene where the scene where they've captured Thor and they're introducing him to the Grand Master, and as the chair is advancing forward, oh my god, yes, they're, <laughs> they're playing the song from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Is it raining? Is it pouring? Yes. Hurricane <laughs> blowing. Oh and, man! And they and they had like the psychedelic lights passing by him, oh, like he was in the so tunnel, good. like like when they were on the boat. Yes, it was it was absolutely hilarious, and I was dying, and I'm the only one in the theater laughing, and I'm like, you guys are uncultured schmucks. I or was it? This. Is it raining? <laughs> is it snowing? Is a hurricane blowing? Yeah, that yeah. that part drove me insane when I was little watching that part. Uh, it was terrifying, but it was just this total. I I did the, I had the same reaction you did. So awesome. Wait, did did at least other people at your theater at least catch it? Because my girlfriend picked up on the song uh-huh. she started it's uh land of pure imagination i believe she yeah. was whistling it and we were just kind of sitting there going oh, is that part? oh I, I, I we must have been the only two she's a huge oh, disney man. fan and you know I, I saw it really close to a college so yeah there was uh not only did people see it but there i had a lot of nerds in my theater because we went to kind of an earlier showing nice okay they, they were pointing out a lot of things where it was stuff that I was noticing, but they would point it out like either seconds before or seconds after I noticed it before I could register it. So there was a lot of things where I was like, oh, yeah, that's that. But I, I will give credit to the, the nerdy guy uh, who was sitting behind me. I give I will give credit. Uh, I know my last theater experience wasn't all that great with it, but I want to give a huge shout out to the woman behind us who provided, I guess, some measure of comic relief because she said, oh, shit. After just about every scene, and I was totally okay with it. <laughs> uh, and just, I, I don't want to talk too much about the the ending because it does have a lot of repercussions that will happen mm-hmm. and things that will be visual visually noticeable but throughout stay, the Marvel universe. Stay through the credits. It's a Marvel movie. You should know that by now. Stay through the credits. Yeah, but that's one thing. But also, just the action scenes were great. Um, yes. Had to probably spend a whole lot of money for the Led Zeppelin songs because they used it twice. Um, immigrant, immigrant song, uh, but the action scenes are really, really good. The um, the the fights, the um, the villain was like legitimately scary and very well motivated. I thought. Yes, I thought 
unlike some of the other Marvel villains, specifically some of the ones that were in the more uh, cosmic and Thor related movies, don't seem overly motivated other than, well, this is what I'm here to do. Uh, I she do, seemed, I do it because I'm me kind of thing. Yeah. This one, there was actually like a real reason and there was a history to it and the history made sense. Yeah, and I agree. It was also pretty in line with a lot of like the way gods are portrayed that you read about in mythology, you know, like kind of battles between the gods that are technically brothers and sisters and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I, I really enjoyed the villain and the fact that it was Kate Blanchett just completely enjoying being evil was great. But monster. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Thor, can you, uh, I'm sorry. Hulk, can you just stop? Can you stop for a second? Not smash, not smash, but monster. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. It was great. Uh, uh, to our listeners, you'll see. And, you've, and I, you've I loved, I loved that they actually went and tied it in to Doctor Strange. Yes, that was because great. because if the uh, for those who haven't seen Doctor Strange, shame on you. It's a great movie. You should see it. But um, at the end of Doctor Strange, uh, Thor has a cameo, like a post credit cameo in the Doctor Strange movie. And they actually brought that back and played that out in this movie. And I loved that they tied them together like that. I thought it was great. I really, mm-hmm. I really, really like what they're doing with the whole Marvel Universe, how they're interlacing everything. And I know I've said that before, but I mean, it just just relating everything and showing you that it's all in the same universe. It's all in the same world. And they're, they're just doing such a good job tying everything together. Yeah. I actually do have one question for Jimmy. Uh, I guess Rob too. But since we're all, since Jimmy and I are kind of from the same graphics world, um, was there any scene that looked kind of weird to you, like graphically or like compositing wise? Uh, does it refer to what we were just talking about? Uh, no. I thought that the green screen work on the Norway cliff scene, or whatever, I guess that's Norway, looked just very surprisingly bad considering how good everything else looked. That, okay, so I, I know what you're talking about, and that. See, I put it this way with TV productions being as great as they are now with Game of Thrones, uh, Walking Dead, etc. Um, I thought that that went from a very silver screen blockbuster movie, crisp, clean kind of look to a TV budgeted green screen scene. Uh, I'm guessing I'm just guessing some there was some plot change somewhere along the line where they did a reshoot because there's no way they couldn't have found a location that was just a big open area near a cliff that they had to do green screen on that. I just thought that was a little weird. And that was literally my only complaint about the entire movie. Yeah. It was very desaturated and yeah, no, I agree. And the lighting didn't match on the characters. And, and not, not being from, from that background. I honestly, I didn't even notice it. So. Well, fine. At at that point I was more focused on the, um, I was more focused on the characters and what was going on. I didn't, I didn't really notice the background. But like I said, that's not my area of expertise. So, yeah, it's just something that stuck out. Um, and uh, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't let Jimmy talk about Korg. <laughs> hey, man. Korg was a character um, in the movie who was just this really kind of big, lovable, um, almost like the Hulk, but not as mad with strength and power. Uh, Korg was just this very sweet, 
big character who was actually voiced by the director. Made out of rocks. Made out of rocks. Hey, this big thing over here, I'm made out of rocks. Yes, I'm I'm a being. I'm I'm um, falling apart. Look, there goes another piece. <laughs> <laughs> he uh he had some of the I, I think the most touching um and, and funny moments of the film. And uh I mean Korg the character is based is a character that I believe was appeared in the very first ever Thor comic just as a kind of a nameless faceless villain, but they eventually absorbed him and actually made him into a character in the, uh, the planet Hulk story. Uh, I'm tr- and uh, trying to and apparently him. gave him a name as well. Since you just said he was nameless. Well, yeah, they get like, they did the same thing with uh, Groot as well. I mean, Groot, there was a character in an early Hulk comic and, it's just this like tree creature that he fought, and then they decided to renew him and give him a real name many, many, many years later. Gotcha. So, looking up that, um, and then the uh, I'm not going to talk about the ending, and we shouldn't talk about the ending, but it, I think it's going to lead right up to Infinity War. Yeah, I, I can I can see that. I mean, there's probably a little bit in between. I think they've got room for like one movie or one or two movies in between this and Infinity War, but it looks like it's going to, it looks like it, the sequence of events is going to take us right into it. Yeah. I mean, that comes, that's the next big movie. It comes out uh, May 4th. Next um, year, right? Uh, uh, yeah. May 4th, 2018. Although I think Black Panther might come out before that. Yeah. Black, Black Panther, Panther does is, come out before then. Yeah. Yeah. Looking Black forward pa- to that. Black Panther's due out this year, isn't it? Or is it early? Yeah, that's, uh, February, February 16th, 2018. Oh, okay. So, okay. so that is taking that, uh, that Valentine's day week, uh, movie release date that Deadpool did so well with a few years ago, and then Lego Movie did so well before that. So. And I, I'm really looking forward to Black Panther. I think that's going to be a great movie. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, what did we think of Thor? Uh, I'm guessing all of you guys that listening will definitely be able to figure out our opinions. But I'm. I said this to you earlier, but I think it's my favorite um, of the the more modern Marvel movies. I think it's my favorite. I don't know that I would go that far. It is definitely an excellent movie. It's better than it's better than Thor two. Um, I'd put it on par with Thor one, but I do like I said. I I like that they've gone with the with the comedy formula, the the action comedy formula. Um, it's very reminiscent of Guardians of the Galaxy. It's also very mm-hmm. reminiscent of like the Avengers in the comic relief aspect. Um, I have talked to one or two people who said that they felt like they were watching Guardians of the Galaxy, so they didn't like it. They they didn't want a funny movie. Um, so if that bothers you, you you may not like it. But I mean, I I love the formula. I think they've done a great. If that job bothers you, get over it. It's a comic book movie. I was it's just about to say that it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> what did you think, Greg? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Finish up, Rob. Well, no, I, I was just, I was just saying. Yeah, I, I, I definitely very much liked it. I don't know that I would say it's my favorite of of the of the current ones, because um, I actually really liked um, uh, the Avengers movie as well as um, Civil War. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I, I'm very hard pressed to pick which one of the Marvel movies would be my favorite or second favorite or third, mm-hmm. but I would say this one would be in the. Uh, more towards the higher end than the lower end. Yeah. So it'd definitely be more clo- it'd be closer to my favorite than not favorite. I left that movie feeling really energized, really happy and wanting Same. to see it again and just you know when you hop in the car and you're and like every song that comes on the radio sounds good, you want to you know I, you want to see the movie again, you want to go home and kind of look up easter eggs and stuff like that and that movie did it. 
have um, a hard time sleeping. So instead, you stay up way too late reading a babysitter babysitter's guide to monster hunting. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, this is going to be one of those episodes where uh, things go a little long. I think, but there's a lot of crazy stuff to talk about. So uh, why don't we and, hit up? Why don't you and we uh, took talk two about, weeks off? So yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about Lady Mechanica, Jimmy. Let's talk about it because I've been waiting. Um, ever since you and I went to Megacon and we met M.M. Chen, who is an artist and storyteller who has worked on the Lady Mechanica series as well as other comics. Um, I hate to say – I don't know exactly how to say this, but Lady Mechanica is an installment of stories, I guess, if that's fair. It's um, a series that's made up of mini series. Thank you. So Lady Mechanica – um, over the past three months, there's been one book issued per month and it's, you know, three books that complete this series. Um, Lady Mechanica is a, the, about Lady Mechanica, the main character, it's set in a Victorian steampunk England at the turn of the century or the, um, mechanical revolution. I don't know history, whatever. Industrial, but Lady Mechanica, <laughs> Industrial revolution. Thank you. You're um, welcome. Lady Mechanica is a private investigator. She is partially human, partially steampunk, steampunk machine. <laughs> I'm having I I can't speak tonight. But the story itself, this one is a kind of it's it's a real who done it. Um it follows a the accident at Blackpool Industries um where several Members of the staff who worked on this top secret project were killed. Um, several of the workers' children were killed. Several people were injured. And we pick up after that where former members of Blackpool are getting picked off. And they are there are witnesses to these murders. The witnesses report seeing a, uh, a figure of a woman with almost – um, inhuman strength and the blame comes right back to our heroine, Lady Mechanica, who has to work hard to clear her name and find out who is actually behind these murders. Um, so I would strongly encourage you guys without giving away who did it to check out the series. It's from Joe Benitez and you can uh, check out Joe Benitez.com. Joe Benitez was from the, the image comic group from a while ago when it was very artist driven. Yes. And he did a comic called weapon zero and he has a way of drawing like claws and spikes and like, scythe shaped blades that look impossibly sharp like the guy has incredible yes. pen work um did you say scythe yeah i think you did scythe scythe, scythe. yeah so um hopefully you guys were able to check out the halloween comic fest uh this year if you weren't able to i would hit up your local comic shop and ask them if they have anything left over there was a free comic that day from a previous Lady Mechanica story arc called La Dama de la Muerta. Oh, um, <laughs> yes, it was actually one of the ones featured on the um, Halloween Comic Fest. So, you know, pick that up if you if you don't trust my opinion in telling you that this is a very good read because it is a good read. Each book is has got some weight to it. They are meaty. 
Uh, they're very story driven and they're, but they're very, very pretty. Um, the art is fantastic. I, I might have said this before. Each of the panels on each page has a very intricate steampunk framing to it, which in itself, you, you, you know, I find myself reading a panel and then just kind of staring around the outside. And, yeah. and looking at all this very intricate artwork that's in there. The coloring is, you know, exceptional. Um, the story is great. It's very well done. And uh, it's, a, it's a must read for me. So yeah. <clears throat> I can't find the first one. <laughs> I can't find the first of three. I was scrambling around before we started recording tonight so I could, I could just have it in my hands. So um, as soon as I find that, I'll let you guys borrow it. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Although you should support the artist and go buy it yourself, you heathens. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to uh, Walking Dead because I'm super excited that it's back. Um, I I really really like this show. Um, season and season eight started off with a bang. I mean we are we are full tilt right in the thick of the battle between the the communities of the hilltop, the kingdom, and Alexandria with the saviors all um, out war all yeah. out war i mean they they are going for it um but i will say that through i won't get too much into it but through a couple of hints i think that they've dropped in the in the most recent episodes i think we're actually seeing the past so what we're seeing according to the show has already happened because i think they're giving us hints about the outcome of it and i think we're going to catch up to it towards the end of the season and and we'll we'll understand what's happened and what's been going on um, but I think they've kind of been hitting at, hinting at it the first couple of episodes. Um, There's a few things I've liked so far about the season uh-huh. and a few things I haven't. Um, it definitely jumps all over the place. It's definitely way more action packed than past seasons. I think they yeah. finally got the hint. I think they finally got the hint that they're in a zombie apocalypse and, and this is the writer is not the people and having characters talk for 10, 20 minutes at a time about morality of certain actions when dealing with people that are, like humans that are trying to eat them and zombies that are trying to eat them and people that are trying to bash their heads in and do all this stuff. There's certain morality conversations you just can't have in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I think they're finally getting the hint. And I think this past episode really kind of proved that to me. So with the walking dead, um, I have read that in, I think the past three to four season, there has been a ratings decline. Um, per season premiere and it's not to say that there's only like four people watching the show there are still you know an insane amount of people watching the show but for people like me it lost me when they had those morality conversations on the porch and it just really turned me away so i haven't seen it uh i didn't see the last season or the season before that now the and i understand what you're saying but i do think that they're running a risk here because if they can't draw back those viewers that they've lost, they run the risk of oversaturating the viewers who stayed because they liked the show. How you know they, they liked how the drama unfolded. They liked they liked the pacing of the show. They run the risk of running those viewers off as well. Because at some point, if every episode is just them running into zombies, them running into people and, and just all out war and fighting nonstop all the time, people will lose interest. 
Um, I think I think you have to mix it up a little bit at some point, and I'm hoping they do it. But at some point during this season, it has to slow down a little bit. They've got to have time to catch their breath. They've got to have time to come to grips with everything that's happened and what they've done and all of that, so that you can actually feel them as characters, if you will. Um, yeah. Well, I want to go back to that morality thing real quick because okay, there's a character that got reintroduced from season one, which admittedly I didn't remember him at all. A character named Morales. And we haven't seen him since uh, Rick decided to go to the CDC and Morales has said, said something about, I'm going to Alabama. Right. Find my what, sister's family or my wife's family. I don't know, whatever. His, my wife's family or something. Hmm. And he reappeared as one of the saviors and ran into Rick. And Rick had, was a little bit stressed out about something. And he had a gun on Rick. And there was it was a cliffhanger last episode or two episodes ago now. And... Which led you to be like, oh, my God, he's back. And you know, Rick was basically talking to him like, look, you know, are you with Negan? You've seen the terrible things he does. And he's like, well, from my viewpoint, you've done terrible things. And I think the moral morality comment kind of started. And then it was ended with a bolt right through the back of his head by Daryl. And it was I think it was a lot of people were complaining that like, oh, that was so sudden. You know, why did you tease this new character appearing at the end of last episode only to have him killed at the beginning of the next episode? And I really think that was, I think in a way that was fan service because there's been a, you know, even there's a lot of times where there'll be parts of The Walking Dead where I find myself drifting off or I'm going to go into the kitchen and do something or I'm going to play the stupid Star Wars game on my phone, you know? Well, that that could, uh, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. That could have turned into a, oh, let's see what Morales was up to yeah. for, you know, three episodes or, you know, I understand that. And it was the conversation was actually kind of interesting. He's like, you know, let's look at this from two different viewpoints. And you know, my I lost everything, and and Negan picked me up from the scrap heap. So yeah, I am with him. And all I know about Rick is that he started off as this kind of sheriff, and now he's killing a bunch of people and raiding various camps. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. I mean, but of course, we also know some of the the dirty secrets of some of these characters because we see him. But is Shane still around? <laughs> you you've known he, he's long gone. Oh, he's the Punisher now. Yes, yes. Zombie Punisher. Sweet. I'm going to watch it right now. I would watch that movie. It's true. Um, so, yeah, there, I mean, I think as far as that, there's going to be, uh, you know, the, the overarching story is, of course, the battle, the all-out war thing. Mm-hmm. But, of course, there is a battle with Rick and his, his humanity, which, you know, to kind of finalize that conversation. And I think the past two episodes have definitely touched that as he as he did kill a guy. And then realized the guy was really just protecting his baby. And there's another baby. There's another baby. There's another baby. Oh. He finds this baby in a crib in a room and the baby's name is Gracie. And so he's like, and he, that's one of the reasons why for these past two episodes, he's looked a little like stunned because he's basically realized what he, what he did and why that guy was fighting so aggressively. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought that was a good emotional pool that wasn't faked. And I also thought, Aaron's story in this past episode was also really good yeah. and had some visually gave me chills in a way. So yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I know Jimmy left it behind. Yeah. And I, I, I still love the show, so I'm, I'm still following it. Um, I, I think it's one of, I think it's one of my top favorite shows currently on television still. Um, I mean, I know that there's a bunch that we, that we still watch, but it, as far as, as far as the, the meaningfulness, if you will, goes. Um, 
it's it's right up there. It's it's one of the one of the better shows I think on television currently. I don't know if I personally I don't think I would go that far. I do enjoy, I do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's funny. A lot of people talk about the various flaws, and I I think the filming schedule is a big flaw to me because I would love to see that show not in hot sweaty weather. Like, could, could we get that's some snow? Point. Like, it's always the same. I would love to see some snow, and in the, and that's partially because of the comic. There were some really cool scenes involving snow, covering up signs about don't go in here, and snow being an air, a time when you could move around because the zombies would freeze temporarily because they didn't have blood. Except there's zombies under the snow because they collapsed, and now there's people walking, and they're getting their ankles bit and stuff like that. And there's a lot of suspense that can be built into that. But there's their filming schedule, they film in the summer and the late spring. So I don't. And I think a lot of the actors, you know, need the, the winters off for other movies and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think if they did some winter episodes, it would be something new visually that hasn't been seen before on that show. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Well, hopefully winter is coming. <laughs> Not until 2019. True. Okay. And speaking of 2019, let's talk about 1922. Seamless segue. Boom. Perfect segue, Greg. Wow. Let's talk about 1922. 1922 is a Stephen King adaptation that just appeared on Netflix last month, starring Thomas Jane and Molly Parker. It is directed by Zach Hilditch. Um, We have talked about Thomas Jane previously um, when we talked about Adi Shankar's bootleg empire. Thomas Jane was the Punisher in the feature film, um, not the one with Dolph Lundgren, but, (laughs) you know, widely panned, but Adi Shankar's Punisher Dirty Laundry is, uh, is a great fan film that you can find on YouTube. Um, he stars as the main character in 1922, who is a farmer, um, with his wife, Molly Parker and their son. Uh, Dylan Schmidt, who kind of come to a, they come into some land and the main character, his wife wants to sell the land and move off to the city. Well, in it was, it was her land that, that he was able to get via marriage. So she kind of brought it to the marriage. And once her father passed away, they're left with another hundred acres or something like that. Uh, very vo- valuable land. Um, in the beginning of the movie, the main character says, uh, in 1922, uh, you know, something to the effect of a man's greatest, man's greatest pride was his land and his son. So that kind of establishes his mentality through the whole thing. Well, he does not want to give up the land. He wants to stay where he's at. He's happy. He hates the city. He resents it. Um, so what do you do? You kill your wife and you have your son help you do it. Okay. And the then, Give and Me Five podcast does not recommend killing your wife when you want to sell land or when you want, when you want to keep your land. We do not contone such behavior. So there's a lot of cover-up afterwards, and it. <laughs> I, I wrote that it's uh, dark and brutal, and it's like a really effed-up episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, <laughs> if you guys have seen that. there yeah. Now, and there are a lot of rats. So if you have a, a rat thing... You're not going to like this movie. Rob, do you remember that girl that was working at the gas station that one night that we popped in after Halloween Horror Nights that was scared of my shirt because I had a rat on it? 
<clears throat> not offhand, no. We went to a gas station. I was wearing a shirt that had like a cartoon rat on it. Like a, it was a Pearl Jam shirt. And she literally wouldn't let me go into the gas station because she couldn't look at my shirt. Wow. Just because of this one rat. So you I don't, don't think she'd be a fan of this movie. Not at all. She had me hold my hand over the, the little picture of a rat. And it's not like a photo. But anyway, sorry. No, that's I fine. thought about that while the movie was on. I was like, oh, this girl, whoever she is, would totally pass out. <laughs> the uh, The main character... Um, was acted very well. I'm a, I'm a big Thomas Jane fan, um, from, you know, Dirty Laundry, but also being a Stephen King fan, I really, really enjoyed the collection of novellas that this came from. It's called Full Dark, No Stars. And there are four novellas in the movie, uh, two of which previous to this have been made into films that I have not seen because they just didn't appeal to me. Uh, the first one is called Big Driver. And the second one's called A Good Marriage. This is the one that one of those movies would come out. And I'd be like, okay, just make 1922 already. Another one came out. said, just make 1922 already. And when I saw that it was coming to Netflix, I got really excited. The trailers looked great. And I really, really enjoyed the film. So if you're in, I know we said we weren't going to talk about horror too much, but it is a horror film. It's Stephen King. Um, Check it out. You know, if you have a Netflix subscription, if uh, rats don't bother you that much, then I definitely recommend it. It's a every so often there's a retelling of Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Yep, different things, and this is kind of another one, but it's also done by another master of horror, Stephen King. So it's worth checking out if you like Poe, you like King, you got it. Big thumbs up from me. If you like poking, <laughs> wow! And that takes me to something that I will not segue from the word poking to. Yeah, don't. Uh, everyone has been talking about this coming out. I know from Netflix to Netflix. Yeah. From Netflix to Netflix. uh, My Facebook feed is littered by people talking about this show. There are people who, you know, sat down and binged it in one or two nights. I did. I honestly, I did. I did about three or four days. Although at the same time, I was like, man, we waited so long for this to come out. By the way, we're talking about stranger things too, as if you couldn't figure it out. Um, The binging thing is weird to me. Because you wait so long for something to come out, and then it's like, okay, now it's over. Now what? But yeah, but every time this, you finish an episode, you're like, oh my god, I got to know what happens next. <laughs> that and sure. you know, if if you're really concerned about spoilers and Stranger Things being a property that you know hasn't already been written, um, you're gonna things are gonna get spoiled. So and people want to talk about it. Exactly. So it's almost like if you you damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like if you don't binge watch it. And you, even I'd say social media blackout, everyone wants to talk about it. So you're going to hear it. You're going to hear about it. And you can't get mad if people spoil it because it's right there. All all nine episodes right there. There you go. That being said, I'm, we're going to not talk so much about the plot, but I'm, I'm going right. to kind of ask you, I think I'm going to ask you guys questions and you can ask me questions just about you know, various things just so we can kind of talk about the season without ruining anything for those of you that have other things to do than watch nine hours straight of television or streaming television. Um, so first of all, um, what did you think about the new characters that arrived? My favorite of the new characters wasn't exactly even a main character. Um, I'm talking about Erica, who is Lucas's little sister. <laughs> she stole it was the perfect every, little sister too. Oh. stole every scene that she was in. Every scene she was in, she stole. Absolutely. 
the funny little bratty sister that I know my friends had that funny little bratty sister who and I'm sure your guys did too. Yeah. Who you were all a bunch of nerds. And I, and I'm sorry, but that scene where she mouthed the word nerd nerds. Oh was, my God. I lost was, it. Oh man. She, she had such a great delivery on that. I was, I was laughing for like two minutes. I was like, come oh, on. Me too. She, she was perfect. That was fantastic. But as uh, some of the other characters, as far um, as other characters go, I I will say that I liked the the other two main characters that they added in. Is that Max um, and Billy? No, that's uh, Max and Bob. Yeah. Oh, okay. So Max is is uh, another. It's a little girl. For those of you guys that don't know, who kind of sort of joins up with the group of main characters from the the previous season or the main characters of the show. Uh-huh. Uh, tentatively at first, kind of just being around, but they they do actually sort of it it was kind of a, a pretty seamless transition i thought where the character was around a little bit around slowly kind of started joining in with the group and then kind of got involved it wasn't like a, a one of those characters like poochie in simpsons where they just like oh we need a female in here so let's just stick a new character it i thought it was pretty organic yeah it, it was it was a nice introduction um i don't i don't even think you really even saw her for the first episode you just you just saw her name basically yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, it it was a nice slow introduction. The the introduction of Bob was a little less was a little less slow. I mean, the when oh, season Bob. when season 2 starts, um Bob is played wonderfully by Sean Sean Astin. Um uh who most of you will probably know as Sam Samwise from Lord of the Rings. Uh, or Rudy, or from or Rudy, Rudy, or uh, or Mikey from the Goonies, or Mikey, yeah, from the Goonies. That's yep. the one I would go with. Yep. Um, but the entire reason he's in there is because of the Goonies reference, I'm sure. Yeah, but but he he well no I I I I saw an interview with him and I I think they they were so impressed that they got they kept going we got Sam that's Samwise so oh, nice. it, it was it was um it was the Lord of the Rings thing that got him the role I think. But um, he, he he did a really good job with it. But when season two opens up, um, Will's mom, who's played by um, Winona Ryder, Winona Ryder, yeah, Will's mom, who's played by Winona Ryder, is already dating Bob. So that all of that happened off screen, basically. Yep. So there was a lot that happened off screen. Yeah, but it, they did a good job of explaining it, so you didn't feel yes. like you were missing anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there were going along. They, they introduced those things. Um, not all in one flashback moment, but almost right to the point where I would go, "Wait, what? Ha- oh, okay, that happened." So it was pretty. You know, it was it was peppered in there pretty well. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so an- another one of the characters that I absolutely hated, and I think they do, did a good job with this character was Billy, Max's brother. Yeah, and apparently I, Billy was the Red Ranger in the Power Rangers movie. I looked him up. Really? What was he? Yeah, which I didn't. See. I didn't see that, but huh? Um, I thought Billy and Max's story was going to go a completely separate direction. That maybe Max herself was maybe kind of an Eleven type character uh-huh. from some of the things that they said to each other, where they'd get in the car and and Billy said, "Well, you're the reason why we're here anyway." Because you didn't see, you know, their parent figures in any of this. And mm-hmm. I thought that was going to go in a different direction. 
Yeah, see, well, I, I didn't. I didn't get that. I thought. I thought from the get go that Billy was just a an angry teenager who didn't take any responsibility for any of any of the stuff that he did wrong. He just blamed other people for it. Um, angry rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. And, and listening I, to Ted New, Ted Nugent as he cruises in his Camaro. Exactly. And I will say that that Billy actually was a creation of the writers because they lost their villain. Um, Billy, Steve. yeah, Billy is the character that they wanted Steve to be, but Steve's story mm. arc took him in a different in a different direction, and it actually ended up making making uh, the viewers like Steve. Um, so he well, really- Steve's hair. It needs its own credit line because <laughs> it's glorious and it is the hero of the entire television show. It's beautifully feathered. It is. Um, but he, he, the way that Steve's story kind of developed as they were writing the 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 show, they they said that he kind of became more and more likable. He became more relatable, and the viewers actually really liked him. And so they couldn't really make him a villain. So they wanted to introduce this character with like almost no redeeming. Um, no redeeming values whatsoever so that they could have that villain that they wanted from Steve. And they almost went and screwed that up too, because it there's, there's actually a point or two where they actually make you feel sorry for this guy. And it's like, there were, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I, I thought you were going to go this direction. There was one line that he had and it relates to Steve when they're playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And he's showboating. He's coming in. He's playing really rough. And they're playing shirts and skins, which you you cannot do in school these days. Which um, I, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, wow, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a part where Billy, you know, runs in on Steve and knocks him to the ground. And he, he comes over to see Steve and he says, you have to plant your feet. And it it, it wasn't like. Hey, you you gotta do this, but it was almost like this. Here's this piece of advice: you gotta plant your feet and stay strong, man. And then he goes on, and I was like, yeah. "Wait a minute!" Well, then he does the thing like he tries to help him up, and then, and he, then he pushes does. him back down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was yeah. like so close. He's, he says so close. He says, "Plant your feet and draw the charge next time." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I, yeah. I thought that was really good. I thought it's just my, kind of my next little question. Um, did you think it was it felt? like a logical progression from season one to season two, did they kind of hold true to the, you know, the feeling of the first season? I thought I actually, I thought this season was a little bit more intense if that was even possible. Cause I thought season one was excellent, but I, I might mm-hmm. say that I enjoyed season two more. Um, see, season two was just a firebomb from the beginning. I mean, it was, it was, mm-hmm. it was, you know, just nonstop, but um, there was a lot yeah. of drama in season one because there was a missing kid. And right. you, a lot of the scenery was a crying mother. And, you know, as a father, I felt that. I was like, oh, like, yeah, it's not like the people are like, oh, it's a really fun show. But there were parts of it. I was like, well, that part's not quite so fun. This season to me felt a lot bigger. It reached much further out than Hawkins. So scale wise, you know, I, I thought, it, like I said, it was much bigger. Um, I had no idea how they were going to follow up with season one. And I thought that they did a really good job and, and yeah. kept it, you know, true to what it was true to itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. It really made me miss arcades. 
Yeah. <laughs> they're still around. You just got to go get, you just got to go to them. They're, Chuck, they're all Chuck E. Cheese's though. And they're covered in a weird film of stickiness and germs. Well, but you've also and, got stuff like Dave and Buster's. That's true. You, you actually cannot go to a Chuck E. Cheese's unless you have a child with you now. That's true. And not entirely. Cause I went to one. With what were you going to over someone's birthday party? Um, no, I walked in to see what games they had. You're now on a watch list. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but as far as season two goes, I, I, I will say that I thought season two had a much more darker and ominous feel to it than season one Agreed. did. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, was, it was just a really, really well done season. It does give me some concern, though, about, about where they go from here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know they left it on a cliffhanger, but, you know, it, when when you get to the show, like, I mean, I, I, I kind of refer to it like the uh, the Dragon Ball Z mentality where, you know, every season you've got a new villain and, oh, man, the villain is so powerful. He's more powerful than anybody. And we beat him. And then the next the next season. Oh, where was this guy? He's so powerful. He's more powerful. We have to train really hard. And then they beat him. And then you go to the next season. Oh, and then there's this villain. Oh, he's the worst ever. And guess what happens? They train and then they beat him. So, yeah. you know, you, 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 you're running the risk of, of, of running into that. Um, I'm not really sure how long they can keep that up. Um, but if, if the, if I think the, there's a lot of threads. I think there's a lot of threads they can follow. You think um, so? I, I liked, well, just as a smaller part of this season, First, I think they realized who the standout kid was from season one, and it was uh, Dustin. <clears throat> I thought it was Paul Reiser. <laughs> and a different show. I and I thought it was Dustin, and I, they kind of separated him out for a little bit mm-hmm. early on. You got to kind of see his home life a little more, and he had like a little critter that he was kind of taking care of, and it kind of gave him his hero moment. It also gave him his moment of like, "Well, I kind of made a mistake." Um, yeah, he and had I thought his that you idiot moment. Yeah. But at the same at the same time, you know, it's it's a thing that that led me to believe that there's a lot of that they can do. Like, I, I don't think every season should separate one of the kids, but it just there's a lot to explore with the various characters and with the town and the larger world in which this town exists. Because they did like what, you know, the, the villain, the first plant one was Demogorgon. Mm-hmm. The villain, the second one was a whole bunch of Demogorgons. And we know where we're going with the third one because it's in the, the art. You know, it's going to be that giant shadowy shadow spider. monster right yeah like spidery creature thing right. possibly it's called the shadow monster greg now it's called a shadow now i will i will say i i know that you said that they singled out dustin um but i i have to say that in my opinion i think the standout this season was will and i think partially because we didn't get to see a whole lot of will last season because he was gone for like half half the season mm-hmm. right so but he did such – I thought he did such a great job with the acting parts that he was given in this season that, I mean, it, I mean, you felt for the kid. It was like, oh, my God. And ah. his delivery was amazing. And, and he's the youngest one of the group, by the way. Hmm. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah. I, you took the words right out of my mouth where with the parts that he was given to act, it really made you feel like – it made you really feel bad for the kid, like what he had been through, what he was going through. When was it going to end? Yeah, you it was know, too hot, too cold, that thing. I mean, every, every time this kid had a scene, he hit it out of the park. I mean, he was he was fantastic mm-hmm. in this season. 
Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the whole the whole cast, I think, yet again, did a really good job. Um, yeah, this is one of those shows, I think, where the the low budget because you know it obviously had a low budget to start off with because it was this like weird '80s throwback kind of thing. Got turned down by every TV channel, and it's on Netflix, you know that thing. So I yeah. think the low budget really helped because all of the actors in them in it look like regular people. Like they don't, except for Steve and his glorious hair. He <laughs> looks like a, a regular person with just a bionic hairdo. But like you know, they the sheriff looks like a regular person. The one that always occurs to me is uh, the sister Nancy. Which, by the way, I think everyone's sister in every '80s movie is named Nancy. <laughs> um, but like, and I look at her, and she's just a, you know, she's the one that there are people that are like, oh, she's the cute one, and she's this and that, whatever. But like, she looks like a regular person. It's not like they're dropping, you know, I can't, th- I don't even know any other teen actresses, you know, like one of those like Disney girls that goes on to become like a actress singer. They're not dropping that in there and being like, oh, you're from this small town. Like all the actors just look like us, right? Which helps because it, it grounds you in the show, and also Steve's hair. Steve's hair. Um, so trying to think of what else. What'd you What'd you think of the um, the 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 pairing offs, if you will, of of the characters who they ended up hanging out with, who they ended up being with, and whatnot. Did, did you like the changes that they made or did you like the, um, I mean, I don't want to give too much of it away, but I, I, I really, really appreciated the, um, the kind of student mentor role that they set up. If you know what I'm, uh, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes. The, the pairing up of Dustin and Steve, the, but it almost like a student mentor kind of thing, but it didn't end with Dustin getting the girl or Steve getting the girl. Right. But it was a, a the moment where they're walking on the train tracks and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Dustin's asking him these questions and Steve's kind of standoffish and he's like, look, man, you just got to, you know, this is how you get the babes and stuff. And then he goes, all right, Farrah Fawcett hairspray, you know, that kind of thing. And it was a, it was a cute moment and how they kind of battled together and and they had that relationship. OK, so one of the things that I saw across the board on my little Facebook feed was people like, you know, the people that want to spoil everything, but don't want to spoil everything. So like, I really liked it except for one part. And someone's like, Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. And then there's a bunch of other people that were like, I really liked it except for this and that and whatever. And then of course I got to episode seven and I knew that's what everyone was talking about, but I thought every single one of them was wrong. It was possibly one of my favorite of the episodes. Hmm. You're gonna. I I don't know them by episode, episode seven is the episode that was that basically eleven takes off. Place pretty much outside of everything. It was the one where eleven is gone. Chicago. Is gone in Chicago. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you. Now, I think I think the the series could have stood without it. I can see what people mean by that. I enjoyed the episode. Uh, I didn't think it was completely necessary, but we have talked about this before, and without getting too spoilery, um, we kind of see... Mm, <laughs> that there's a larger world. Yeah, and we kind of see the superhero learn to harness their powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first thing I thought about, and there's a trope, again, touching back on my comic book thing, the trope of the 80s street punk 
there's always the guy with the mohawk and the guy in the you know the denim or the leather or whatever it's just like these these random street thugs and as and these characters could have been dressed like a random street thug that batman beats up at the beginning of his comic book before he faces the joker um or something from the warriors or just any you know even the guys from the beginning of terminator up at the observatory like i just love the the 80s street punk thing mm-hmm. and seeing her get integrated into that it was just a, it was another touchstone of the 80s that i just thought was great and it didn't slow the momentum for me at all. In fact, that was kind of a good stopping point before the last two episodes, which, you know. Which were full on 100% maximum power level 9,000. Yeah. It was a breathing point. You know, it also led to a great moment in those next episodes. So I enjoyed it. I know some people didn't. Some people did. But um, Jimmy could have lived without it, but enjoyed it. And uh, Rob? That particular episode, uh, I would say that it, I I did enjoy it because it it I think it helped advance Eleven's character. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to it, you know, it refocused that character. Yes, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, the character was a blank slate early on in the you know the first season, and almost needed to find herself something to ground her or to link her to us other than other than um mike and waffles and waffles egos egos yeah hey man (laughs) i I also like uh mike and egos so any anything else about uh, stranger things uh season two watch it it's excellent you won't regret it if you haven't seen if you haven't seen season one you, you might want to watch it first. You might want to watch that first. But You definitely want to watch it first. But what, if you haven't seen season one, shame on you because it is a great show. Yeah, I said this in our, our kind of break episode from last week. Um, if, if you haven't used your primary email address to register for a 30-day trial of Netflix, create one. Watch it over the weekend. You won't regret it. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Steve's hair, if you're listening. Call me. <laughs> uh, that leads us to the question. You guys have binge-watched season two. I have binge-watched season two. Everyone out there has pretty much binge-watched season two of Stranger Things. Where can you go now to have the same kind of level of entertainment and the same kind of throwback to that kind of, you know, that world? So wh- where should people go that want more? Piss off, ghost. <laughs> So you finished watching Stranger Things, or at least we have. So the question is, where where do you go now? Um, where where does our thought process go? And the five that immediately popped into my head. So you know things similar to Stranger Things. Um, for my mind immediately went to the nostalgia of it. Um, whether the films were made in the eighties were, you know, or whether they do reference those, um, I kind of went right to movies and to start them off at, uh, just in the order that I put them in, I actually, uh, number five, I'm going to say the explorers. Oh yes. Oh, I forgot that one. Which had, you know, your Ethan Hawke, river Phoenix, um, kind of your other, um, Corey film on Corey Haim of that time. Yeah. <laughs> Kids build a spaceship. Yeah. Uh, which is fantastic. I'm going to put at number four, I'm going to say Tron, um, because I don't think there was a time in Stranger Things where I didn't see that arcade and think of Tron and think of Flynn's. Mm-hmm. 
Um, number three, I'm going to go with Ready Player One. Uh, the, uh, something a little more modern, but a little more modern, but throwing back to you know classic arcade games. Uh, it will be a movie soon. Check out the book if you haven't read it already uh, before you see the movie. Um, I'm going to go number two. This might be controversial. My number two will be The Goonies. Sean Astin. I mean, Bob, of course, uh, the whole buddy film. And number one, I'm going to I'm going to throw it back to my boy, Stephen King, and go with Stand By Me. Wow. I mean, all, we already wrong, we already referenced okay. we already referenced you know Dustin and Steve walking down the train tracks, which is very Stand By Me. Yeah, uh, doesn't mean that Jimmy's actually right though. That this is true, but he's wrong. Think, but we still love you, Jimmy. So I'm going to go next, and this one's a little out there, and I get it. But usually my first one is, and I'm going to go with Aliens, partially because Paul Reiser is in season two, uh, doing exactly nice. the same character that, that was actually written. Uh, pretty much by it was written for Paul Reiser. In fact, they called him Doctor Reiser in the in the script. Wow! And he he played that character basically as the the gov- the shady government person. Nice. That's, um, oh, so he basically played the same role. Yeah, and also you know there's a little bit of references in season one too of these people kind of like in these cocoon pods, if I remember correctly. That you know also very reminiscent of aliens. So there's definitely and of course the creatures themselves. So mm-hmm. definitely some aliens reference. Uh, Stand By Me was my number four. Again, walking down the train tracks. Um, I've seen Stand By Me, but never all the way straight through. I've seen it in bits and pieces. Uh, so, you know, like at the beginning on one day and then the end some other day and then the middle some other day. So I need to probably watch that all the way through. But it would have probably been a little higher had that been the case. Uh, Amazing Stories, which I've referenced once before on this show, mm-hmm. was a, sh- a TV show in the 80s done by Spielberg, which just little vignette, little each one was a different type of Twilight Zone kind of story. But it was very set in the 80s. It was very, you could tell when it was made. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way the, the children were acting and stuff like that. And it just, for, it had weird little stories. And it's just, it's, you know, I was thinking X-Files at this spot, something like that. But X-Files was very adult. And I think that Amazing Stories had a the sense of wonder that Stranger Things brings to the table. And uh, way more recently, it which I'll reference again, not just because some of the actors are the same, mm-hmm. but you've you've got your your kids on bikes going on adventures, doing crazy things with the parents not around. Um, the only real difference in tone is that the stakes are way higher in it because you get a very real sense of danger and rated Rness that you don't really feel in Stranger Things. But if you you know, it's it's almost like the very R rated cousin of Stranger Things. And, uh, you know, it's a reference everyone makes, but I would say Goonies. If you want kids going on an adventure that's dangerous and fun and there's science and there's Bob, you know, and there's Bob and there's, you know, just uh, awkward, kind of goofy, nerdy kids going on adventures that you get Goonies and it's still fun today. Absolutely. And then there's Rob. All right. Well, I'll start. I'll start my five with with the bottom with the with number five, and I I picked this one simply because it to me when I watch this movie, this movie is so eighties. I mean, it is just just absolutely ridiculous, over the top. They totally they totally play everything to the hilt, right? Um, the Last Dragon. <laughs> the Last Dragon is a is such an eighties movie, and it, it's. Um, it's about a um, a guy who's studying martial arts. 
in in New York in Harlem, and the villain is a guy by the name of Shownuff, and he calls himself the Shogun of Harlem. Um, and the, the the hero is Bruce Leroy, yeah, Br- Bruce Leroy, um, <laughs> or, that, or at least that's the name he goes by in the movie. But it's it is it is absolutely fantastic. You should check it out if you haven't seen it. It's total cheese and it's great. Um, but uh, if you're if you're a podcast person, which I am, and I'm hoping you are, since you're listening to us, uh, about two weeks ago, the excellent podcast that reviews movies called "How Did This Get Made?" It's a bunch of like comedians that are in TV shows and stuff. Actually, reviewed the Last Dragon with Hannibal Buress, um, where nice. they ripped it apart. And so I don't know, any, I know very little about the movie The Last Dragon, but I could tell you a lot of these references just because of the how did this get made uh it's episode number 172 if you're interested in listening to it listen to it in the very in the next four or five months though because it does go behind a paywall after you know every like 25 episodes or something so if you want to hear a funny breakdown of of the movie rob's talking about i would definitely check it out before it goes behind paywall that's awesome um and and also keeping with the with the whole because, because to me, the '80s, the decade of the '80s, as far as like the the movies were concerned, they were really focused around like kids against the world or kids against the man. You know, just just like um, kids standing up against against adults or going off on adventures by themselves without any supervision and all of that stuff. Um, one that would fall into that category for me, and just because it's fun to say the name is "Break into the Electric Boogaloo." I don't know if you guys ever saw that or remember that one, but it was about a group of break dancers who were trying. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Oh, wasn't, man. wasn't Turbo like the main guy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was one of them. Yeah. Couldn't get through it. Oh, so man. I, being young and impressionable when I saw it, I saw my future in break dancing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It I think a lot out. of kids did. How, how did that pan out? Yeah. Didn't. I, I, I was really bad at skateboarding, and I realized that falling hurts. And breakdancing is pretty much throwing yourself on the floor in a very artful way. And don't get me wrong. I respect the hell out of what they do. I can never do it, but it hurts to fall. Yeah. Yeah. So, so break into actually ended up replacing one of my other like alternate ones on the list, which would have been uh, nightmare on Elm street, which of course is kids against Freddie. But um, I'd probably have to go next with uh, gremlins, uh, another classic eighties movie um, kids trying to save the world. Basically. Followed up by Stand By Me. We've already discussed that one a couple of times. Um, the the relation between the scenes with um, with a couple of the characters in Stranger Things 2 and in Stand By Me with old train tracks and everything is, is undeniable. From there, I'd probably have to go with Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters plays a very decent-sized role in Stranger Things 2. Ghostbusters came out, I think, the summer before the school year that they show in Stranger Things 2. So the, it was like 84. Yeah, right? it, was, it was 84. Yeah. So the kids are all about Ghostbusters. They dress up as Ghostbusters for Halloween. You know, the, the, the Ghostbusters has a fairly strong theme in Stranger Things 2. So I would have to put Ghostbusters on the list. But for my number one, Greg already said it. Jimmy said it, but he put it in the wrong spot. Number one has got to be the Goonies. I mean, that is your that is your prototypical um, kids out on an adventure trying to save what they've got or trying to save their homes and stuff and, and stuff like that and fighting against the man who's trying to trying to tear down their homes. And they go to these really extreme lengths 
to to try and basically save their house and they go yep. on a wonderful adventure it's fantastic i actually bought it for my niece um several <laughs> several christmases ago and I i've actually her- been on the beach that the the little rock is at, was a chimney oh, rock nice nice yeah but I, I bought it for my niece a couple of years ago for Christmas, and I gave it to her in a pack of movies. And I and I was the jerk uncle who wrapped every movie individually, then wrapped two movies together, and two movies together, then wrapped three movies together, then wrapped one of those two packs and the three pack together. Your, and then, your niece hates you. Oh man, she's she, still, she's still unwrapping she was, movies. She was unwrapping those movies for like fifteen minutes. It was fantastic. Um, but she she opened all of them and she got all excited and then she got to the Goonies and she opened it up and she was like, <gasps> and she looks at it and then she looks at my brother and sticks her bottom lip way out and starts to pout. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious and I got it on video. It was fantastic. She has, but she ends up liking it, right? She has, however, watched the movie since then. My brother had her watch it and she did enjoy it. She liked it a lot. So, yeah, it's like a rite of passage. Like uh, you kind of wait and you're like, well, is my kid old enough to watch this yet? Because there's some scary Mm -hmm. parts and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so now we I think we should do the the combine the combined one. So first of all, all of you guys out there, we've all mentioned a bunch of movies and TV shows and books and stuff like that. If you were if you're still jonesing for some something similar, Stranger Things, there's all sorts of stuff like this. But um, we are going to kind of do the definitive list. And I think the first three based on them either being on all of our lists or we oh, crap, forgot them. Yes. Should be uh, Goonies, Stand by Me, and Explorers. Yes, because those are the three all of us mentioned, and the, the only reason we didn't mention Explorers was because we forgot. Right, and and in that order, because Greg and I both had Goonies at number one. Yeah, I just but like, that I, leads a four and a five, and we've done movies. So if you want to to stretch, um, if there's anyone who wants to fight for something that isn't a movie or is a TV show, I was I was kind of surprised you didn't throw in the Goldbergs, Greg. <sighs> it's possible. It's just a different. It's a different type of reference, like, right? It's 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 a comedy, but it is it is a an eighties based show, and it's not so much the eighties that gets me about Stranger Things. It's the 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 Stranger Things to me is all of the stuff that I imagined was the sinister stuff going on in the town as I was riding my bike around and wandering through the woods and stuff like that. Okay, and I I, I will take a moment to tell a little bit of a story, even though this is a long episode. But I used to go in the woods behind my house in Pittsburgh all the time. And part of that woods, which I, unbeknownst to me, used to be na- be near a farm. And so I went in the woods and I found a, a, well, I thought it was a human leg bone in the woods. And I freaked out thinking, okay, there's murderers and whatever. I was very young, like you know, eight or nine maybe because I moved out of there at 11. So it had to be maybe 10. So I found that what I thought was a leg bone. I remember I went upstairs and we had basement. So I was in the basement and there was a, that little window that's like at ground level, but you can kind of see it from the up high in the basement. And I was convinced there was someone looking in at me like, oh, they found my, the body that I hid. <laughs> <laughs> um, my parents know it, realizing that it was a cow leg bone, not a human leg bone, because it was, you know, unless the dude was like Shaq, it was too big. Sent me down to my doctor's house. My, my uh, pediatrician happened to live on the street and brought, I brought this bone down the street to show him and he's like well there's no possible way that's a you know, human bone but it was you know this weird thing where you as a kid going on an adventure in the woods thinks you happen upon something super sinister and that's kind of what stranger things like brings to life for me gotcha. so i kind of went a little bit more towards the supernatural route than more just the the 80s you know it's more the okay. kids versus the adults kind of aspect which you mentioned earlier 
So, so in that respect, then I might toss out one that actually wasn't on anybody's list, and that would be the Lost Boys. Yeah, Lost Boys and Monster Squad, because we've both popped into my mind during this, but we've talked about them so much, like the so last much. Like, three episodes. Exactly, exactly. But I wanted, I wanted to to stretch. So even though those might be very accurate, um, I, I want to. Uh, you know, avoid making our listeners watch the same things over and over again. Over and over and over. Yeah, even though they could very well be the right answer. Yes. So, um, Jimmy, would you like to fight for Ready Player One? Because it wouldn't take me too much to push over the edge. I will. Ready Player One, the book itself, um, I could not put down. And there were so many references to classic arcade games that, that put me back to being at Flipper McCoy's up in Virginia. Um, to there used to be an arcade at the end of the pier up in up in Virginia Beach as well that was like walking to the Taj Mahal you know at, at the end of that long stretch was that beautiful arcade um, mm-hmm. I think just with so much nostalgia and so many references throw, so many throwbacks I, I think anybody who listens to that show should read that book before uh, listens to this show should read read that book. I'm, it's getting late. I'm certain to not be able to talk. Sorry. Um, <laughs> should definitely read that book but, <laughs> before the movie comes out. I'm, I'm or if you, really looking forward to reading it. You're too busy to read it. Get it on audible. It's great on audible as well. Um, I put that in the five slot, even though Rob didn't answer that yet. Um, Ready player but I also, okay. yeah. And, but it, and I saw Tron and that also made me reminded me of war games as well, but I admittedly, oh, war when games. I first, yeah, like War Games is kind of like right, right along the same kind of government conspiracy thing. Mm-hmm. But that was another one that I was too young when I saw it to actually like get through it. What about, about what about Weird Science or yeah, Flight of the Navigator? Oh, Flight, yeah, see, there's so many, there's a lot. We we got We got to close this one out. So so something something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. So we got our something new. We'll be Ready Player One. The we'll go with the something borrowed being the ones that we all put on our list. Um, and number four, something our, blue. Something blue. Boogaloo! <laughs> I refuse to to make our poor listeners watch the electric boogaloo. <laughs> not, not happening. Uh, I, I can accept Ghostbusters. I can accept Weird Science. Actually, I can definitely accept Weird Science. About I, weird would, science then. I, I would say Weird Science or Ghostbusters. Simply Ghostbusters, simply because it played such a large role in the in the in the series. And uh, how about Weird as, Ghostbusters? There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay, so depending on your guys' mood, if you're in the mood for something a little more funny, hu- funny horror, Ghostbusters, Weird Science is more for funny, uh, you know, bras on heads. Yeah. So closing it out, guys. Number five, Ready Player One. Number four, Weird Science and or Ghostbusters. Weird Number three, Science Explorers. <laughs> Number two, Stand By Me. And number one, The Goonies. I like Maybe it. Ruth. Oh, do you guys remember my science project? Never mind. No. no. Other episode. <laughs> okay. So uh, thank you guys for listening to our very, very long episode. We missed you guys. We did. So guys, thank you so much for listening to this extended version of the Give Me Five podcast. We are happy to be back with you guys after our small break. If you guys would like to chime in, if anything has been on your radar in the past two weeks, please Email us at giveme5podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on our social media, Instagram, Twitter, at giveme5pod, and on Facebook at the Give Me 5 Podcast. Let us know what you guys think. Let us know if we're right, if we're wrong, if you agree with us, or if Greg is just a total tool bag. 
I am. <laughs> he Spoiler is. alert. Yeah. He is. Spoiler alert. And, and so if until there's next anything time. that we missed, let us know. We want to hear because this is a very broad topic. So it if, is. if you think we've missed something out that we've... My list of five was actually a list of 10 that I had to whittle down. Yeah, exactly. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hey, man. I'm cool. We're going to get out of here. Want to come? Butt gusting, butt gusting. <laughs> <laughs>